Hello and welcome to Mercury Now, a weekly podcast brought to you by Mercury Systems. I am your host, Ralph Gavarez, and today we will be discussing the Return to Workplace Task Force. And joining me is Ian Dunn, Task Force Lead and Senior Vice President of Sensor and Mission Processing Group for Mercury Systems. Ian, hello. Hello, Ralph. Ian, before we dive into the task force and its functionalities, I was informed that you are amongst the few who were selected to remain at our corporate headquarters. Tell us, how have you adjusted and how long was it before there was a sense of normalcy to your workday? When we, uh, when we decided to send uh, as many people as possible to work from home in the light of the, the crisis to, to flatten the curve, we used our business continuity playbook, which stipulates what emergency personnel will remain in the facilities and under what circumstances to ensure uh, continued operation. As the emergency site lead for headquarters, I have remained in the facility and have been part of the the COVID-19 response deployment team and uh, and continue to to, uh, work with the staff that's still in the building on on how we evolve the facility to, to be a safe place to work. Uh, luckily, headquarters has you know very little manufacturing, so out of the almost 500 people that we had uh, in the facility, we we sent you know well over 80 percent of them home. In fact, there's really only about 20 people that come into the building on a regular basis. I'm normally on the road half the month in my role as a as an SVP for the company and kind of running one of the businesses, and so I uh, don't actually spend a ton of time in the facility like like I am now. And have gotten in the habit of, you know, only going to the cafeteria a couple days a week. And so, you know, when you ask about uh, what's the facility like, obviously all of these things now are, are largely empty. You know, with only 20 people in the in the building, I don't think I've run into someone in the cafeteria in, in weeks. And at first, the the working in this these nearly empty facilities was a little, you know, discombobulating. Uh, there, you know, you don't run into people with coffee. You know, people don't stop by your office. You, you don't even really have an excuse to to get out of your chair that often, except uh, just to to go grab coffee or lunch. And so, when you go to meetings, you're you're doing them virtually. I thought about hosting meetings in empty conference rooms, but thought that would be, you know, more distracting and and uh, to the employees working from home than it was worth. So I've I've largely operated uh, my job from my office, and then I've just gone out as needed for uh, you know for lunch and snacks. And uh, one of the more interesting experiences, I went down to the cafeteria kind of on day one, and I thought, all right, well I'll buy lunch. And so the first thing I didn't really know was what lunch would be available, because since everybody was out of the building, certainly the cafeteria was going to scale back, and they had. Uh, and I grabbed a salad and bought it. And then I, I thought to myself, gosh, I don't really even know whether COVID-19 can be spread through food. And, you know, food doesn't, this kind of food doesn't grow on trees, right? It has to be prepared. So um, for the first week, I have to admit, just out of sheer paranoia and not knowing what to do, I microwaved all of my uh, purchases from the, the cafeteria, including uh, one particular day where I microwaved a salad, which in the end of the day, later in the week, proved okay. You, you could eat a warm salad, but the bigger problem was the packaging that the salad came in was really not supposed to be microwave. So I had a bit of a catastrophic packaging failure one day, and so I'm, I'm used to it now. I've I've uh, backed off on uh, you know the the protocols that I don't think are too useful personally, like uh, microwaving salads, but uh, and have adjusted to it. And now I know fairly well who's in the building and 
stop by to see how they're doing. And uh, so there's a little bit of a social protocol within the building, but not much one. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. And, and I could tell you, on behalf of the Mercury team that is working from home, thank you for continuing to drive the ship. And I'm sure that I, I speak for many when I say we are anxious to join you again. Could you please uh, give us a brief background on your current role at Mercury and also the, the scope of the task force leadership role? Sure. So I'm a senior vice president for the company in charge of one of the company's uh, product divisions. And uh, in particular, the uh, the product division that I head up is is really the the historical core of the company. Mercury Systems used to be called Mercury Computer Systems. And so the group that I run is really that original uh, computer systems. We've done some acquisitions to augment it. So it also includes our facility in Geneva, Switzerland. It includes our facility, our new facility in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, and also uh, a facility in, in Mesa, Arizona that would not have been part of the original the original group that I head up. And all of it's focused on processing, uh, digital processing. So really all kinds of computers and processing subsystems uh, that go into other instruments, you know, defense sensors, uh, weapons, um, you know, helicopters, avionics panels, anywhere you might now find computers in a in a defense environment where we're one of the potential suppliers. So, uh, I've, you know, have loved this business ever since I was here. I have been here 20 years. I, I came as a as a systems engineer originally, and um, my graduate uh, work was in was in computing, was in supercomputing, and so uh, I came to Mercury because of its its status in the industry, it's, it's still to this day one of the most important, uh, you know, computer processing assets in the U.S. arsenal. And so uh, that's what uh, brought me here, and that's what uh, drives me into those doors uh, every day, even though uh, there, I'm now uh, one of the rare few actually in the buildings. As the crisis started to unfold inside of our supply chains in January, partly because we get, you know, much of our, not much of our supply, but a an element or a key component of our supplies does come from Asia, from China. Memory and other uh, semiconductor components come from uh, from Asia. As the crisis unfolded in our supply chains, Mark Aslan appointed Amir Alaverdi, who's head of global operations, to manage our response from a from a business continuity perspective. Um, at the time, we didn't know how the crisis would unfold in the U.S. and what it would mean to our uh, employees. But uh, to be on the safe side. Mark also established the, the COVID-19 executive uh, team that, uh, that meets um, daily, actually, uh, to manage the company's overall response to the, to the crisis. And he established a couple of really important goals uh, at the beginning of this that we've used on a daily basis to, to guide what we're doing in the decision-making and the discussion that we're having around this crisis. First and foremost, as he's, as he's told the employee base a number of times, it's really about protecting the health and, and uh, safety and livelihood of our employees, which are really the heart and soul and kind of engines of the company. Uh, number two is to mitigate you know, or, or reduce operational financial risk really in support of that first goal around uh, livelihood. To continue to deliver on our commitments to customers and shareholders, uh, and and then finally uh, to deliver the the mission critical work we do to uh, the men and women in uniform really our our most important uh, end customer uh, for the company. So 
key to the success of these four principles are some are some very important cultures and values as well that we've found enhanced by this uh, crisis, amazingly enough, and that's really teamwork, uh, communication, and uh, and the the overall goal that the company that the company community wants to establish a you know care for each other uh, principle, and so all of that together has created a, an environment where we've been able to. Uh, to manage this crisis up to to this date, uh, create some some leadership in the industry. We've been ahead of our peers, and they've been asking us how we've been doing it. And so it's been a, a real um, you know honor and pleasure to to have worked uh, on this project so far. How is Mercury leveraging its approach to COVID response to create its return to workplace strategy? Right, that's a great question. The uh, the, the leadership team, when we started this, we it was you know started as a crisis response, and we uh, adopted a, a terminology that it was really a sprint. And you know, if, if for those of you who left on a Friday and didn't return to the facility the following Monday, it really was a sprint, right? You grabbed what you needed, the equipment, the the files, the documentation, whatever you needed, and you went home with it. And, and many of you have been there ever since. We the the second phase of this or the second period of this is really a marathon. And so Mark asked that uh, we stand up a second task force, effectively a second group of people that would really look at this marathon phase and address the core principles uh, that he had already established, but also work on, on a fifth principle. And, uh, and that was to foster an enduring kind of valuable legacy for the innovations um, that have driven us to this point, particularly the innovations in a business agility. So we've recognized some things that we do better now than we did before, and we want to take advantage of that and, and make that part of the, the Mercury culture going forward. Through surveys and direct feedback, we now know that this, you know, that this community led the way for, for its industry uh, in that initial sprint period, and in, in many cases provided some guidance to people's personal communities, which we find uh, very heartening. And we want to continue that, that tradition and continue to pioneer you know, a, a special uh, role for Mercury in this industry and, and also continue to be a leader of information for our personal communities. So let's discuss the purpose of the task force and its desired outcomes, both internally and externally. You know, what are some of the essential principles embedded uh, in this new Mercury operating system? Right, so we launched the, the task force really to develop a return to the, to the workplace plan. And I'll, I'll articulate in terms of the working groups kind of what that means. But underlying that there were, uh, there were four Operating principles that we wanted to adopt from a uh, from the operations team, which has been rolling out uh, a new operating system for the company at uh, at the company's manufacturing facilities. And when I say operating system, of course, as a computer scientist, you know many know what that what that is. But in this case, we're really talking about the systems, the procedures, and the people that the company uses to conduct work. You know, uses to conduct business. And so the four principles in this Mercury operating system are uh, the ability to target, and that is to rapidly prioritize and refine the work that individuals and teams do uh, to always keep in front of us the most valuable opportunities for improvement. And you can imagine how valuable that would be in a, in a time of crisis. 
the ability to flex, right? So you don't always have the resources you, you need tomorrow, eat today. So you have to flex with what you have. You have to flex your systems, your people, and your processes to, uh, to create that, that outcome that drives future success. Um, and that involves all the elements of, of you know, your systems. Um, your, so one of the fundamental key features of it is really communication because you have to put everything together and uh, make people act uh, coherently, create a systemic, coherent view of what's going on, and then, and then execute opportunities for improvement against that. And again, you can imagine how important that was in this, in this crisis where, you know, on an hourly basis, the the view of this crisis would change. Once you've, once you've targeted what you want to work on, once you've flexed up to, to create some results, uh, you know, built a team around what you're trying to accomplish, then you really move into optimization. And optimization is about making it a, a continuous, enduring process, making it an efficient one, and, um, and, and installing it in the system and getting adoption. And then the final dimension of these is scale. So target, flex, optimize, scale. With that in mind, we launched uh, the task force and divided it up into uh, seven working groups. And the seven working groups are um, a little bit time-based, and I'll describe that here in a second. But these seven working groups are, have the principal responsibility for designing our return to workplace plan over the next couple of months uh, to highlight and instill in the organization the, the you know the systems and procedures we will use to to um, execute this plan and to make some of the changes enduring you know and we don't know exactly what changes yet will be enduring that's something the task force is working on right. the two the two beginning working groups are what we have named the return to healthy facilities and the employee health, wellness, and prevention. These are the two uh, foundational elements of the, of the task force. Obviously, our facilities, which we intend to go back to, and then the, the people that will be returning to them, you know, primarily the work-from-home population. And so these two working groups are collaborating on that immediate plan of, of how to return the, the, workplace to these, uh, the workforce to these facilities. Two very important external working groups focused on the externals are also uh, working in coordination with these two teams. And one of them is the external benchmarking and liaison. This is our, this is the team of people that are really responsible for looking for best practices among our peers, government, uh, in industry organizations, whoever is going through the same thing we are, and of course there's an entire globe of companies and governments doing that, this is the group that we want to hear from with respect to, you know, what are the best things we could be doing that's in line with our, our business, our cultures, and our values. Uh, the other external organization is really the government, the, uh, the one that uh, is responsible for monitoring uh, government, you know, mandates and requirements that we have to uh, meet in order to safely uh, return our, our workforce to these buildings, to these facilities. If you shoot out a little bit ahead and you say, once we start this process, or maybe once we're well underway, what would we like to preserve uh, out of this process? We've established two additional working groups um, that are forward-facing, one called uh, Rebooting External Experiences, and the other one called the Workplace of the Future. These are both the groups that will 
chart out that enduring legacy for us. Uh, the external experiences one is about conferences and customer interfacing and visitors, um, you know, all the things that we would have done just a few months ago without a second thought now need to be, you know, reinvented, rebooted, rebooted a little bit. And then the workplace of the future is really the one that uh, that speaks to uh, what the facilities will look like, how employees will, will work inside of them. There is a, one other element of the, the task force that's uh, uh, diffused kind of uh, across the whole task force, and that's really the use of technology. So those are the fundamental uh, characteristics of, uh, of, of, the, of the seven working groups. And, um, you know, we're looking already, they're, they're, they're formed. The teams have been working for a couple of uh, weeks now, and uh, we'll probably start to see our, our workforce uh, um, the resuming the workplace uh, plan coming out uh, and start uh, to be implemented over the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Ian. Having a plan in place that will help reprioritize opportunities and discuss roadblocks is key to a successful return to the workplace. So, Ian, thank you for joining me today. Best of luck with the task force, and I wish you safety and good health. Ralph, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, stay safe, and I'll see you soon in, uh, in Andover. This has been another edition of Mercury Now, a weekly podcast brought to you by Mercury Systems. I'm your host, Ralph Gavaris, signing off.